I think I know something about you. No, you don't, crazy guy on the computer. No, I think I do. You truly have the ability and the potential, as Gandhi said, to be the change you wish to see in the world. Now, if you've lived long enough, you've probably learned that this type of life doesn't just happen by accident. It's the result of some conscious, committed choices about how we live our life. But we don't have to do it alone. See, the secret to becoming the change we wish to see is discovered when we practice the art of following Jesus. So let's talk about it together. If our eyes are open, then we know that there is so much hurt and pain and injustice and inequality in the world. And if our ears are open, we know that each individual we encounter has their own story of struggles and worries and pain and hopelessness. And that's why the story of Jesus is such good news. We are not alone. God sees us and he sees our pain and he knows us and he is willing and able to do something about the hurt in the world. He lived among us and he healed diseases and he gave sight to the blind and he even raised the dead to show that what we are facing right now is not too big for him and that what we are facing will not last forever. And then Jesus left, but he didn't leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit, the personal presence of God himself to live in and guide and empower his followers, the church, to bring his hope and peace and healing and comfort to the rest of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world, and he has chosen his church to shine that hope to the world. And every one of us can find a place in this Jesus community where we are empowered and supported to use our God-given abilities and gifts to be the change we want to see in the world. But unfortunately, so many people don't realize their true potential to be used by God this way. Because to actually do this, requires choices and decisions that go against our natural inclinations. It goes against what our culture has told us we should be and what we should work toward. We have to choose to go against our culture, to fight against our natural self-preservation. We have to learn, we have to practice the art of following Jesus. And as we discover more of what this life looks like and study more of who Jesus is, we discover one of the most central and the most difficult practices in the art of following Jesus is practicing service on purpose. Now, let me ex explain what I mean. But first, I have to warn you, you might not like this at the beginning. But if you stick around and if you take what Jesus says seriously, your life will change forever. And it won't always be easy, but it will be worth it. In fact, it's something his first followers had to discover as well. Jesus' disciple, the former tax collector, Matthew, recorded for us an, really an interesting exchange between Jesus and, and two of his other followers and their mom. So Jesus had spent about three years saying that he was bringing the kingdom of God to earth. And he healed diseases and he gave blind people their sight back. And he even raised people from the dead. And all of this was really exciting for his closest followers, mostly who were mostly teenagers. And they're seeing all these things and walking with this guy who, who's claiming to be God. In fact, he claimed to be the son of man, the king promised by the prophet Daniel, whose reign would last forever. And Jesus had even told them that one day they would rule with him. And this got two brothers, James and John, kind of thinking, like, if we're going to rule, there's, there's probably going to be a hierarchy, right? And, and we don't want to be lower than that tax collector Matthew or Thaddeus and Bartholomew. And like, what kind of names are those? And that Judas guy, I never trusted him anyway. Like, let's make sure we are the highest of the high-ranking officials in Jesus' kingdom. See, we, we often view following Jesus through, through the lens of what can I get out of this? 
And really, it's not even our fault. It's the message we've been raised to believe, and we unknowingly apply it to every part of our life, including our faith. And so James and John get their mom, Salome, to ask Jesus for a favor. And so Salome goes to Jesus, and like they're basically hiding behind her skirt, right? And she kneels before Jesus, and she asks, In your kingdom, can my sons be your top guys? Can they be the ones who are closest to you? And I, if you picture the scene, I picture Jesus kind of like lifting Salome up and kind of putting his arm around her. And then he turns to the brothers, maybe with like a little shake of his head. And he says, look, first, you have no idea what you're asking. Like, can you handle the suffering I'm about to go through? And James and John, being like the foolhardy teenagers they are, like, of course we can, Jesus. And Jesus says, well, you will have to suffer for me. Which history tells us that James was the first martyr for Jesus and, and John suffered a whole bunch. He says, you will have to suffer for me, but I don't decide those things. My father has already decided what all that will look like. And then the other 10 disciples hear what James and John tried to get their mom to do behind their back. And it's interesting that in John's biography of Jesus' life, he didn't really keep this scene in the story. Anyway, here's what happens. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And the disciples are like, well, yeah, we sure do. Like, we live through that every day. The powerful enjoy their power, and they do whatever they can to hang on to their power. And in our world, might makes right. And, and we're sick of being the ones without the might, without the power, without the respect. And we can't wait, Jesus, until you conquer Rome and become king, and we can rule with you. And then it'll be our turn to lord it over them. And then Jesus turns our whole view of how the world works on its head. See, following Jesus requires a complete transformation of how we see the world. But among you, it will be different. And they're like, ah, shoot. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And so I was like, what? No, we signed up to rule. And Jesus is like, no, let me finish. Hold on. It gets worse. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave slave think about a slave even in roman times not a great thing you want to be no rights no position no respect no authority of anything really your life is completely used for serving your master serving others was like a slave's whole identity in fact the whole roman society was structured around who was free and who was slave and the slaves were the ones that got used and abused and they weren't even real people and so they're thinking how is this possible jesus how are we going to be we have to be slaves? Like, we are your guys. We're following you so we get out of this slavery of Rome. Like, if you are who you say you are, then the whole world should be bowing to us. And Jesus says, that's not the point of all of this. That's not what I'm doing. Greatness in Jesus' kingdom is not measured by how many people know who you are or answer to you or how many people you are above or how many people click like and share on your posts or how quickly people do what you tell them to do or even how respected you are. In the kingdom of God, greatness is measured by how much of our life is spent meeting other people's needs. And then Jesus says something so profound, kind of so obvious, really, that these guys should have already known it. For even the Son of Man, his favorite name for himself, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus is the perfect example of purposeful, selfless service. He was, the, he was the creator. He is the creator of the universe. He had all authority. He had every right to demand obedience. And instead, 
He planned from, the, from before the beginning of time to give up everything to meet our needs. He suffered. He was tortured. He was humiliated for our needs. His rights were completely abused. But he chose to serve us with his life and his death. And if we are practicing the art of following Jesus, we are to do the same. We practice service on purpose because Jesus purposely served us. Now, I get to this point and I think most of us nod and agree with this. Like, yeah, you know, life should be about serving others. And we, yeah, I, that sounds like a great life. But when it comes time to actually do it, when it, I mean, when it comes time to put it into our daily lives, it's a whole nother Pokemon. In real life, in our moment-to-moment -moment existence, this type of service goes against everything we've built our lives around. Our comfort, our wants, our dreams, our hopes, our agendas. See, we discover serving isn't always comfortable. Serving means giving up what we want for something that we might not even get recognition for. It means making sure someone else gets something while we get nothing out of it. It means letting others get ahead even if we work harder. Like, why would anyone want to actually do this? Because it is the best way to live. Think about it. The most miserable people in the world are those who fight for what they want, fight for their way, fight for their own rights, fight for their success, who cling to their own comfort, and whose life is focused only on their own little world. When, you, when your focus is only on you, soon you only have you to focus on. I mean, Jesus totally lays it out in the book of Luke. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you but are yourself lost or destroyed? Now, that might be, yes, the best way to live. But service on purpose is not easy, and I'm not going to pretend it is. I mean, like I said, it goes against our ingrained nature and our get-ahead-and-be-comfortable-at-all-costs culture. And that's why service exercises our trust in Jesus. See, when we give up what we want and our rights and our comfort, we have to trust that he will take care of us. That's why it's something that needs to be practiced. And at Cross Creek Community Church, our church, we have created opportunities to help us all practice service on purpose both with our community and in our own personal area of influence. See, our goal is to become a community of blessing people who practice service on purpose. And so I have an invitation for you, especially if you're part of Cross Creek. Practice being a blessing person with each other in the community of Cross Creek. That's my first invitation is this, to commit to contributing at our in-person gatherings. Not to, like, keep the machine of the church organization running. I mean, yes, we can't do what we do without volunteers. And if we just com completely rely on the few people who are doing things, they will burn out. But the main point of this is to provide opportunities to practice together being a blessing people, a people who bless others. So we want to provide a place where we can be trained and coached and interact and even conflict with each other as we learn to serve together where we literally can schedule opportunities to purposely serve. See, purposely serving each other teaches us to be on the lookout for and to see the needs around us in our own weekly lives. 
And it really creates, it also creates an, an ownership and a camaraderie within the community. And see, these gatherings, when we do this, we purposely serve on purpose. These gatherings stop being just another service provided for you to consume or something just to add to your life of you. It transforms us from being simple spectators to becoming full participating partners together. And we have a lot of opportunities to practice service on purpose. I mean, you can sign up to help set up our gatherings, to help clean up after our gatherings, to, to serve the food at our gatherings, to, to get the communion ready at our gatherings, to, be, to greet people into the gatherings. We have a youth connect group that you can be a part of or you can help make food for. And we have an exciting opportunity for our kids. Our plan is to add another class for our elementary kids in the fall. So we would have a nursery and pre-K class. We'd have a kindergarten through second grade class and a third through fifth grade class. And so we're excited to launch that in the fall, but we need people in order to actually do that for our kids. And so through the summer, you can, you can sign up to be a part of that and you can observe and learn and be trained throughout the summer for fall. And maybe you're not a part of Crossgate Community Church. I don't, maybe you're in Spain and you need to find another way to serve. Well, find a local church. And maybe if church isn't your thing, find a local nonprofit to serve with regularly. That was my first invitation. Now, my second invitation is this. Practice this individually. Commit to personally blessing three people a week. And trying to think of three people, make it like this. If you're a Cross Creek person, make it one person from our Cross Creek community, one person who's not, and then the third person is dealer's choice. Now, we might not be able to change the entire world alone, but we can be a part of changing someone's world. We can relieve some of their burden. We can encourage them and strengthen them and build them up. We can help them breathe a little easier, alleviate some of their stress and worry. We can, as Andy Stanley says, do for one what we wish we could do for all. And this will allow the Holy Spirit to start transforming how we see those around us. Not as tools to get what we want, but as opportunities that God is giving us to show his love to those he loves. It allows us to purposely live out our purpose as fishers of people, because to truly bless someone, we ha it has to be something they would consider a blessing. And to know what they would consider a blessing, it means we have to study people. We have to listen to people. We have to interact with people. When we talk about blessing somebody, there's really three types of blessings. There's encouragement, like a note or an email or a text or a card that communicates, I see you, I know you, I care about you, I'm with you, I think you're great, how can I help you? I mean, I can't tell you the, the maybe few times that I've gotten encouraging emails or texts from people, from some of you, that has like given me the almost the ability like to keep going in, in discouraging times. And so encouragement. Uh, a third, another one is acts of kindness. Like these are like the practical acts of service that lightens someone's load. Maybe it's babysitting for a new parent. Maybe it's doing chores you don't normally do at home. And maybe it's not just cooking a meal, but maybe it's taking over the planning of the meal. Maybe it's offering to help somebody with their yard work, especially now that it's spring. And a third way we can be a blessing people is through gifts. Like it doesn't have to be something large and expensive, just something that shows this person is known and seen and cared for and valued. In fact, one way to do this is to participate in our For Salem opportunities, whether it's a, a pay it backward uh, campaign or it's, it's donated, donating needed items when those come up. In fact, we have a, a lady who hides our For Salem cards with $5 at the grocery store. So when somebody picks up you know, a bag of chips or mac and cheese, they, they find five bucks with a card that says, for you. Now, if a majority of us commit ourselves to this service on purpose, 
it would create a culture of blessing. Like imagine if being a blessing people was just part of our lifestyle and our identity. Where our neighbors might be skeptical about our belief in Jesus rising from the dead, but were blown away by our love for them and our love for each other. And then they would start asking questions like, why do you love me like this? Or why do you all love each other so much? What's that about? Like imagine seeing ourselves being used by God daily to love people that he, is so, that he so desperately loves. The more we practice service on purpose and become a blessing people, the more opportunities God will bring to us and the more impact we can have in and on the lives of those he puts in our path. It won't always be easy, but it will be worth it. The difference we make might not always be immediately measurable, but every act of service will be seen by our Heavenly Father, and it will have a difference that will last for eternity. In the art of following Jesus, we love God by purposely loving our neighbors. Thanks for following along on this journey, the art of following Jesus. Uh, there are lots of episodes on YouTube or the podcast if you've missed any. Thanks for liking and subscribing uh, to our YouTube channel. Uh, thanks for sending us an email to say you're watching, or you can use our welcome form on the website at yourcrossgroup.com welcome. If you're interested in getting your hands on some of those four Salem cards that John was talking about, send us an email, info at yourcrossgroup.com or use the welcome form and we'll mail them to you. Or you can pick them up in the foyer at 525 Idlewood Drive, where we meet on Sundays at 4.30. Come to an in-person service and you'll see those cards there at the info table. Again, thanks so much for watching. Uh, thanks for interacting with us online and also in your small groups, which we call connect groups. If you're interested in joining one of those groups, uh, send us an email or use our form on the website. We hope you have a great week. We hope you enjoy celebrating the moms in your life, and we'll see you next week.